Hey everyone, this is Lynn Bartim, and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at seu.edu slash apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. All right. Well, welcome in, everyone. Welcome to the Apex Hour. This is another one of our special shows where we are celebrating the 125th anniversary of Southern Utah University. So the last show that we had, we had past presidents of the university talking about their experience in time. And today we have people who are so essential to the success of our institution. And we're going to talk about their experiences and history on campus. But to start, First, I'd like to welcome my colleague in Ryan Paul. Welcome back, Ryan. You are kind of the spearhead of this. Can you talk a little bit about your idea for what we're doing here on this show? Sure, Lynn. Thank you. I'm a child of the 70s, and I remember very distinctly Sesame Street. Right, And they used to have this, this segment called, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? You know, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? And I thought to myself when we were talking about other Apex issues that, wouldn't it be cool to have an opportunity to sit down with people at SUU and, and talk more about who they are in our neighborhood and explore a little bit more about their stories and, and perspectives of campus that we normally don't get? I love it. That's exactly it. And it's so cool to really just be sharing, especially in honor of this birthday and this anniversary. Now, there's some other events that are happening in relationship to this. And I know that there's one you really wanted to make sure to give a shout out. out. How about we do yes, that? Yes. So the university, we have an opportunity to show the film Back Up the Mountain, which was yeah. the film that John Smith and his group did year, a few years ago. And they've got time on KUTV this Saturday at 630. This Saturday. So President Benson has the introduction. And then they're going to show the film. And then there's a little bit of a Q&A after that. So set your DVRs, set your recorders, however you do it, but, but take a, take a chance to take, watch that, that thing. It's a real special thing to celebrate the 125th. Fantastic. Well, thank you for telling us about that. All right. Let's get to know our guests. Tiger, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at SUU. Thank you, Lynn. This is exciting. And I'm always glad to be able to tell the facilities management story. My name is Tiger Funk. I'm the Assistant Vice President for Facilities Management at SUU. And uh, I've been here a little over 16 years, and and it's been quite a journey. I came to campus as the Director of Utility Services, and in that role, I took care of all of the mechanical systems on campus. We, uh, I, of course, ran the central heat plant. Uh, we were responsible for electrical distribution, uh, natural gas, sewer, water, all of those utility-type systems, uh, all of the heating and air conditioning in the buildings. And I was in that role for about six or seven years before my predecessor retired and I was transitioned into my current position. Cool. I have so many questions about how you came here and and your interest in this work and all the challenges. I can't wait to get into it. But in the meantime, let's introduce Ross. 
Hi, I'm Ross Murdoch. I'm the uh, horticulturist for the grounds department. Uh, this is year number 19 for me. Awesome. And I came to the university. I have a background um, in retail nursery. Oh. And uh, 19 years ago, a position opened up, and it said, oh, greenhouse grower and, and horticulturist for campus. And I thought, Southern Utah Plants, Shakespeare Festival, this has my name all over it. That's it. It's so cool. And that's actually the first question is why this job? What drew you here? So were you just enamored with this particular area and landscape? Where are you from originally? I grew up along the Wasatch Front. I, I went to school in Ephraim at Snow College. Uh, my wife is from central Utah. So southern Utah is familiar to me. Mm. But to think that you would have a chance at a horticulture position at a university in southern Utah, that's a pretty rare spot. There aren't very many people that hold my job in this state. Oh, interesting. Okay. And is that something that's unique to the state? And I mean, for example, do universities nationally have, is it, is it more common at the national level? Most universities would have someone similar to my position, but smaller universities uh, sometimes will, will farm that thing out to, to someone else. They'll have a a service maybe uh, handle those duties. I Specifically, see. I grow the flowers for campus wow. and then install and manage them throughout okay. the course of the season. Oh, I want to know more about that as well. But Tiger, getting back to you, what, where are you originally from and how did your path to SU, what about this job? What brought you here? Well, I grew up in Colorado. I got my undergraduate degree from Colorado State University and then landed in Salt Lake City uh, just chasing work. My oh. first job out of school. Uh, that worked out well for a number of years. And eventually, uh, with that company, I transferred to Southern Utah and had responsibility from uh, kind of from I 70 South. And then I had a crew working for me in Las Vegas. Uh, my entire career has been spent in in facilities management, and so I'm I'm 32, 33 years in now, uh, and and I came to SUU because I I saw it as a place of opportunity. Uh, I've always been enamored with mechanical systems, and and the bigger the better. Mm. Uh, SUU has some some wonderfully large boilers. Uh, in the world of boilers, they're not that large, I have to admit, but but they're pretty big boilers. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, I uh, you know I and and I really truly found a home here in terms of. Uh, Having some professional opportunity, SUU has been good, uh, very good to invest in in me as an individual for mm. uh, for training, professional development, and and uh, and that has led to some upward mobility in the in the years I've been here. Did you ever think that you would be at a university? I mean, is that sort of something that you think about, or you sort of think about larger entities? I mean, it's that's seems a great question because the answer is no. I never had my eye on higher ed. Yeah. I I um, uh, worked in the private sector early in my career, and then my last two jobs have been in the public sector. So that's been an interesting transition. Um, higher ed is a remarkable place to be because. Because all of a sudden, I've transitioned from just simply taking care of buildings to creating effective educational space, oh, wow. and that that's been transformative for me. I think it's uh, I think it's one of the things that truly motivates the 
uh, the people that work in facilities management at SUU is we recognize that we're part of a bigger picture. Mm. Uh, it's not just not just buildings, but it's it's uh, it's about making students successful. And without effective teaching spaces, uh, students will struggle. Uh-huh. If you've ever been in a classroom with a a flickering light, or maybe the temperature isn't just right, or or there's some sort of clanging over in the corner, that's all very distracting. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, so it's important that uh, that we do our jobs well and do our jobs. Uh, efficiently so that students can be successful in their academic pursuits. Well, cool. Well, thank you. I can't wait to hear more about the initiatives and things. The The next question really is kind of looking to the past a little bit. What were your initial impressions when you got here? So, Ross, when you started and you got on campus and you started working, what were your initial impressions of this place? I was surprised, and I'm looking at this from a landscape uh, standpoint, I was surprised how progressive the landscape was. Ah, interesting. I thought, I'm going to southern Utah. I'd only been to campus once, and that was when I was in high school. And so when I walked on campus and saw the types of plantings that were already in place and the move towards water conservation uh, not all institutions move at the same speed right. in response to uh, to needs and water needs. And, and it was heartening to me to see how much of that was already in place. And then when I worked with colleagues, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised at how professional they were. Yeah. And what are some of the 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 things that or initiatives or um, goals that you sort of set for yourself early on? Well, early on, I wanted to make my part of the campus, horticulture, interactive with people. So the very first year I was here, I thought, if I do a a planting out on campus, if if we're going to exhibit dry land plants, why can't we put some labels out with them so people walking the campus and taking their dog out could stop and say, this is an interesting shrub or this is a beautiful flower. And instead of thinking, I wish I knew what it was, they can read the label and jot that down, and then they've got a point of contact. And those kinds of things, the interpretive part, the educational part of horticulture is interesting to me. Oh. And I think it should be a part of the of kind of an outdoor curriculum that people could take part in. Right. They should enjoy the plantings, but they should be able to learn from them as well. Well, that makes me think of uh, some of the activities that are going on today. And before the show started, we were talking about um, a very interactive program with the beautification that happens on campus. So, Tiger, maybe tell us a little bit about that program, what it means, what it entails. Yeah, so uh, let's see. Every year we have uh, Campus Beautification Day. And this is really spearheaded uh, as of late by uh, Dr. Bill Hayborn on campus, has been one of the uh, the primary organizers, Heather Garcia, also very instrumental. And the effort is really to just get students involved on campus and and help them uh, help them take part in a way that they can they can feel vested. Uh, so campus beautification day, is uh, is an effort to just go out and and facilities management lines out a number of projects. We try to get some indoor and some outdoor, so uh, depending what the weather's doing. But uh, things like raking or spreading 
spreading tree mulch or uh, tightening the seats in the event center arena, uh, just different things like that. And and they may seem like small tasks, but Campus Beautification Day is incredibly helpful for us as we're trying to get campus cleaned up, uh, you know, spring cleaning and and getting ready for commencement. And you had tons of sh- different shifts going at different times. Lots of people got involved, it seems. They did. Uh, let's see. I think the number that I heard from uh, – uh, the final count was uh, about 193 students had signed up, and uh, and just wave after wave, we sent people out on campus. Uh, Barry Pearson was, and let's see, Barry Pearson and Tim Roy were uh, instrumental in our department in uh, kind of keeping those students organized and making sure everybody had a rake in their hand and and a water bottle and things like that. So that's so great. Well, cool. It's cool to hear about some of the initial projects and then also some of the initiatives and uh, great events that we have going on right now. I think it's time for some music. So Ryan, as our one of our resident music experts in the room, uh, I, I had tasked you to ask our guests for a um, some musical recommendations. And the first song I have is a song from the Rolling Stones. And I think that comes from your conversation with Tiger. Can you tell me a little bit about that conversation that you guys had? Did you talk about it at all? Well, first of all, it was obvious because he was wearing his Rolling Stones t-shirt at the time we were having that, <laughs> I was conversation. that conversation. No, I, it's, I think it's a fascinating thing. I always love talking about people's music and, and he was uh, very clear of, of who he wanted to, to hear. He, I think he called himself a classic rock guy. Is that, is that fair to say? I did say that. So let's hear it. That's fantastic. Well, this is Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. You're listening to KSU Thunder 91.1.
All right, everyone, welcome back. That was Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. We are celebrating the 125th anniversary birthday, however you want to refer to it, of SUU by spotlighting some of our awesome people on campus. Today, I have Professor Ryan Paul, and then I also have Tiger Funk and Ross Murdoch with me. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to get started by talking about um, some of the uh, initiatives. We kind of left talking about initiatives, and Ryan was talking over the break about some really interesting um, bird's-eye insider looks that are going on in May. Ryan, do you want to take it from here and ask about those? Absolutely. So the university, in partnership with Cedar City Brian Head Tourism Bureau, are doing what we call SEU Guided Experiences, and they're different experiences all year round. So we'll do we'll repeat once a month. So, for example, in April, we did special collections, and we're doing it again on the 21st at 7 o'clock. So these are tours you can come and, and explore and see these things. Both of these gentlemen here have agreed to do them over the next two months. So in May, Tiger is taking us on a tour of the heating systems and the heat plant and under the underground tunnels. You start in one building and end up somewhere else. That's it's going to so be cool. super cool. <laughs> and then uh, in June, Ross is taking us on a horticultural tour of campus, a it. walking tour. So we're very excited. These are the first and third Thursdays, and all that information will be on SUU's 125 webpage. All right. So if you just Google SEU 125, or I think it's su.edu slash 125, you can find out about all the things happening. So that's so cool. Thank you for doing that for the community. That's amazing. Well, we also were talking about getting into some of the the specifics and some of the facts and figures um, that are related to your work. So a by the numbers kind of question, Ryan, did you have specific ones or you want me to just take it from there? No, you can take it from there. I, I love by the numbers. Okay. Well, Ross, we would love to know some of numbers, some things that you can tell us about the numbers of things, the kinds of things um, in relationship to the plants and flowers and things we have on campus. Sure. Uh, we have a lot of variety on campus, and that's a wonderful thing. This is a, for example, I have a flower crew, usually seven or eight students, and during the summer, our responsibility is to maintain flower beds, hanging baskets, pots, planters on campus, most of which are located around the, the Shakespeare Center, the uh, Beverly Sorensen Center, yeah. uh, but some others on campus. And, and so in the peak of that, we have close to 200 pots, baskets, and planters wow. that have to be maintained and watered every day. Wow. And we grow all the plants that go in those. Uh, we have a small greenhouse on campus. I'm able to order the seeds in, and we we grow about 500 flats worth of plants. And by plants, I mean flowers, perennials, herbs, vegetables. You will find some onions in some flower beds this year. Really? Oh my gosh, that's a great insider tip to to look for. Do you have um, favorites that grow really well in our planters on campus? Do you have sort of like your go-to, like this is the thing I love to put in everything? Yeah, and and when you look at how you design each year, I try to do 10% experiment each year because you don't ever grow unless you try new things. Yeah. But you've always got the tried and true. And in shady planters, uh, coleus are the tried and true. There are hundreds of varieties, and we have some real good ones 
that we rely on, and, and we change them out, alter them from year to year. But those are go-to plants in the shade. Our climate in hot, sunny locations, uh, in flower beds like a little like zinnias. Some people are familiar with zinnias. Mm-hmm. Cosmos is another good one. And there's a little plant called Gomphrena globamaranth. Wow. That uh, takes a lot of heat and does really well for us. Oh, that's so cool. And in my research, I think I read that you you sort of have a structure for planters, um, thriller, filler, and spiller. Yeah, that's kind of a common way to to think about designing a pot or a planter. It's, it's just uh, kind of a design idea of uh, – and sometimes I look at it like straight man, funny man in a, in a comedy thing. That's awesome. <laughs> too straight man doesn't work real well, and too funny man sometimes is too noisy. Yeah. So the, the thriller, filler, spiller idea is you have a, a focal point. You have some star of the show. Yeah. And then, and then the, the spiller, of course, is what flops over the side. It's right. maybe the bit characters. Mm-hmm. And then you have fillers in between that, that knit the spaces together. Sometimes they're called knitter plants. I see. And tell us, I, I'm completely just going all in on this. Tell us a little bit about the, the pots themselves. Like, how do you choose them? Where do they come from? So the, the, the pots that we used up at Shakespeare, most of those are in place and were purchased uh, when the new facility was, uh, was constructed across the street. Uh, and so they're permanent planters and they're large. And so what we need to do is, is I usually decide on a color theme. My students help with the design. In fact, they will, we will go over design amounts and they get to design their own planters. And so at the end of the summer, end of the season, we get to go back and say, hey, is yours a winner? Is yours a loser? What would, <laughs> what would you do differently? Right. And we're trying to incorporate not only color, but texture. Fragrance is really important for us. Right. Because uh, the memory response to olfactory stimuli is really strong. I want people to dr- brush by a planter and smell basil. I love that. And associate that. that with Shakespeare so that it's another little hook to bring them back. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I just learned so much. Well, getting to the by the numbers for you, Tiger, what can you tell us? I mean, what are some stats that might be interesting to hear about? Well, I wish I was more of a trivia guy because uh, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty for campus. But uh, our campus, we have uh, about 1.8 million square feet of building space that we take care of. Uh, that equates to about 93 bil- buildings, not billion bil- buildings, <laughs> but just 93 billion buildings. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Mostly, too, I think I'd like to underscore our staff because a lot of facilities management is is about getting hands on deck. And and uh, we have uh, 64 full-time people and about 240 uh, student employees that work in our department. Wow. So we're roughly 340 strong, and and uh, and that's important because a lot of times there are tasks that need to be done quickly uh, and efficiently. Um, snowstorms are one example, for instance. Right. When it snows, uh, it takes a lot of hands to get up on campus and clear things out quickly, so that uh, we can we can get pathways opened up safely and and uh, hopefully in time for the start of business for the day. Uh, some of that depends on what time it snows, but uh, right. we do our best there. 
I'm really curious about that. I've often wondered, you know, how does the mobilization effort for for s- snowy mornings, I mean, is that something that you, at a certain point, are you watching the weather? And then if it's, you know, you mobilize at this, like, how does... How does the mobilizing of the troops happen in those in those circumstances? Well, snowstorms are uh, are always interesting. We uh, we of course utilize uh, as much technology as we can. We usually look at multiple weather reporting sources and then average them together right. because no single one seems to nail it every time. Right, right. Uh, and uh, and then it's just a lot of good old-fashioned getting up multiple times in the night oh. to see has it snowed, has it snowed enough to mobilize people, uh, that kind of thing. Um, quite often uh, when it snows overnight, we deploy people at about 3 a.m. I see. And I... Uh, uh, Ideally, we like it when it snows overnight and and stops at about three or four in the morning because then we can clear campus and have things opened up. Becomes much more difficult when it's snowing during the day or when it starts snowing just before a basketball game starts or something right. like that. Uh, then we struggle to keep up and and we appreciate everybody's patience in those kinds of snowstorm events. And do you have a a sort of a snow crew that's on call? Is there a whole bank of people, or is it just? Every worker then is on deck for this. Well, snow removal is handled primarily by our grounds and garden shop and also our custodial crews. I see. And uh, and yes, they are essentially on call in quotes and and uh, and they just know that that's part of their assignment during the winter months on campus. I. Uh, Technology has made it easier to get the word out that we need help as we can send group text text yeah. messages these days, right. uh, much better than the old days of of you call three people and I'll call three people and right. and you know the old phone tree scenario. Yeah. Uh, but um, there's uh, there are events when we we pull people from other. Uh, disciplines within our department, and and there are truly there have been snowstorms when we have every able body out pushing wow. snow. That's amazing! Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Well, the next question has to do with sort of a highlight uh, of your time here. If there's a moment or uh, a particular memory that really stands out to you as a highlight of of your time so far here at SUU. Um, Ross, how about you? Do you have one that comes to mind? I do. It's kind of it's kind of a funny one. So, about ten years ago, I was driving past our flower bed that's close to the Carol on the Bell Tower on Upper Campus. That's a, a raised planter, and and since that's a high visibility area, we try to keep it really nice and and have interesting plantings in there. I had not been past this flower bed for a maybe a month or so. It had been a while since I'd driven past it to check on it. And one early morning I drove past and and lo and behold, a fine marijuana specimen was growing <laughs> in my flower bed. And I did not plant that. And, and so my first reaction is funny. I The truck street, you know, we just throw on the brakes and, and shriek to a stop. And I jump in the flower bed, and this it was a stout plant. It was probably 18 inches high. Wow. I'm kind of surprised none of my flower crew had noticed it or mentioned it. Uh-huh. Maybe that says something about my crew. Yeah. And uh, right by the carillon. I right mean, by the, photographed. It, it was right behind the sign, the donor sign. Oh, my gosh. You couldn't miss it. 
And so I just, you know, I had to rip that out, yes. throw that on the seat of my truck, and then I thought, this doesn't look good. And so, <laughs> so I called uh, uh, my boss at the time and just kind of laughingly said, have you ever seen marijuana grown in our flower beds on camp? And he said, no. And I said, okay, should I just throw it away? And, and he said, no, I'll call security. Oh, so wow. I had to <laughs> meet one of our, our campus police officers up there, and we, we, we got a laugh out of it. Oh, my gosh. What that's, a story. That's the only one. And I know that we didn't plant it because when you pull a plant out of the ground, you can see if, whether or not it's tap-rooted or whether or not that root has circled around in a small container typical of being in a nursery. I see. This was a tap-rooted plant. Someone had dropped a little seed in there. And I'm sure was laughing to see how long we'd take care of the plant before we noticed. Oh, my gosh. That is a great story. Thank you for sharing that. What a fun bit of lore there. <laughs> Tiger, how about you? Do you have a highlight that you are interested in sharing? Well, you know, one of the wonderful things about being part of facilities management is the product of our work is very visible. And uh, I think many of those who work in my department would, would echo these same sentiments is that the longer you're here, the funner it is to walk across campus because you can say, I worked on that and I was part of that project. And, and together, you know, that was my idea over there. So you have all of these installations across campus that really become part of our legacy as a department. And, yeah. and, uh, and many of them are long-term decisions, long-term installations. They will be here to serve students for, for many decades, perhaps. Uh, you know, and, and of course, the, the biggies are our capital development projects, the new buildings on campus. Um, but even the small things like, uh, you know, Ross's annual uh, flower plantings, it brings us great pride to walk past those and know that we've, we've improved the campus in some small way. And I know that in, in, that you are, uh, really always working in terms of sustainability. And I remember being in a committee where you were talking about the, the progressive changing of the light bulbs on campus to be more energy efficient. I was so intrigued by that. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Sustainability is an important facet of facilities management as an industry, but also as uh, facilities management as a department at SUU. We certainly are here to be responsible with uh, public resources and our natural resources, and it's uh, it's important to us to make sure that we minimize our impact on our surrounding environment. Uh, and facilities management has very consistently had uh, have projects in the queue that address energy conservation, uh, reducing our carbon footprint, things like that. Um, just one for instance, we have uh, we have about 2,400 trees in the inventory at, at Southern Utah University. Trees of all all different varieties, and uh, and every year for the last 10 years we've planted close to 100 new trees. Wow. So we've increased the inventory by over 1,000 trees in the last decade. This year, uh, we have 93 trees in our order, and, and those will be planted shortly after commencement. And, you know, one can look at those and, and say, oh, there goes another tree. But, but this tree will be absorbing carbon monoxide out of the atmosphere for for its entire life, which is is you know twenty to a hundred years, yeah. uh, and so those kinds of projects are important to us. Uh, 
Two years ago, we made a commitment with Rocky Mountain Power and the Watch Smart Communities Program to reduce energy consumption by over 500,000 kilowatt hours wow. over a two-year period. Uh, we met that goal about a month ago. And, uh, you know, so, again, just a, an example of the outcome of these ongoing projects. And, and those projects are anything from converting lights to LED technology to replacing large HVAC equipment to more efficient uh, designs and, and modernized equipment. Uh, just, you know, new windows in buildings. It's, it's uh, just really a whole gamut of t projects that feed into that effort. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's time for another song. So Ross, the artist that, that you came back with was Nathan Carter, who I don't know, and, and I was really happy to learn about. Can you tell me a little bit about what you like about Nathan Carter's music? Well, I, I enjoy folk music, and, and so it's led me to artists in Europe and, and in Ireland. Uh, I like Nathan Carter because he's kind of the combination of of American country, but with an Irish twist. And he has a wonderful singing voice. When he sings, I can understand his lyrics. Ah, that's a good testament of a good singer. Well, let's hear a little bit of Nathan Carter. The song I have is uh, Banks of the Roses. That's Nathan Carter. You're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1. On the banks of the roses, me love, and I sit down. And I took out me fiddle for to play me love a tune. In the middle of the tune, oh, she sighed and she said... Oh, Johnny, lovely Johnny, don't you leave me When I was a young boy, I heard me father say That he'd rather see me dead and buried in the clay Sooner than be married to when he run away By the lovely sweet banks of the roses On the banks of the roses, me love and I sit down And I took out me fiddle for the play, me love a tune Yeah. 
Well, you can't help but feel good listening to that. That is Nathan Carter. The song is called Banks of the Roses. Uh, you're listening to KSU Thunder 91.1. I have with me Tiger Funk, Ross Murdoch, and Ryan Paul. We are talking about um, Tiger and Ross's careers here at SEU and all of the things that they have uh, accomplished. And, and now we're going to look ahead a little bit to the future um, and how these things merge and how their offices interact together and all kinds of other things. But I'm going to turn it over to Ryan because you're just burning to ask some questions, I think, right? Well, I think you've done a great job in, in that, that introduction <laughs> to give Ross a chance to catch his breath because if you could have seen him dancing this Irish jig yeah. around the studio, it was amazing. So, I love it. What I'm fascinated by is is obviously you two have distinct responsibilities on campus, but how do both, how do horticulture and facilities, what is the intermeshing between those two? You know, we're a subset of facilities. Horticulture is is outdoor spaces on campus. And, and my position specifically with uh, flower beds and herbaceous plant material, I'm like the, the cake decorator. Oh, I love that. Uh, and and my work is noticeable. Our team's work is noticeable. If we mess up, if you mess up the the frosting, uh, people notice. <laughs> but it's no less important than all the other ingredients that go into it. Right. And so lawns look good, trees look good, walks are swept. When you go into a restroom, it's 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 clean and been serviced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're a, just a subset of that. But there are times too when there is a need. Uh, we had an emergency drill today, and so we have to take on a different role than than what we normally do. We have to jump, uh, and we have departments that reciprocate with us. If we have a big snow load and we need additional help, we'll have people that will come in and, and piggyback on us and help us get that job done. Of all the places that I have worked institutionally, the cross-department cooperation here is the best I've ever experienced. Wow, that's really fantastic. Tiger, is that something that you actively foster or is that just a product of how the the people in all the different places, like to what do you attribute that great cooperation? Well, in the beginning, we actively fostered it, but I will say to the credit of the 340 people on my staff, it has really become organic. Oh, wow. And and it's it's remarkable to watch the work ethic of these ladies and gentlemen and uh their commitment to campus is phenomenal. So, I can't take credit for it. I <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's uh it's just something that uh, I think when you get people who are doing the right things for the right reasons, they they recognize their value on campus and and to some of what Ross was speaking about, you know, facilities management is very important in terms of retention and recruiting students. Right. When you pull up in a parking lot at a campus, the first thing you see is Ross's good work. The first thing you see is is the grounds and how things are manicured. As you walk into a building, it's it's been noted many times that within about the first 10 minutes you know if you want to be there or not mm-hmm. and and that's largely a reflection of the fit and finish of the building the custodial care 
the paint, the carpet, those kinds of things. It's also a, a strong reflection of the personalities and, and people that you meet when you enter the building. And I think our, our Welcome Center does a great job on that of that. Uh, the Just the vibe on SUU's campus is absolutely welcoming and friendly. And, and so pretty soon all of these cogs begin to work together. But, uh, but facilities management has an important role in that regard. So how much of the, let's take the, the new academic classroom building. When a building is being designed on campus, how is the outdoor space, the landscaping of that building incorporated into the design? When we sit down to uh, begin planning for a new building, we think about, in fact, we spend a lot of time thinking about how the building interacts with campus and the surrounding neighborhood. We look at flow patterns and pedestrian pathways and vehicular travel and all of those kinds of things. Uh, the new academic building, um, and for those who aren't aware, this is a new 90,000-square-foot building that we're currently constructing on the corner of 200 South and 800 West on campus. This is just west of the multipurpose building and just south of the uh, uh, America First Event Center. So that building uh, originally started out as kind of a rectangle shape. That was fine. It was boring, but, you know, <laughs> utilitarian, efficient. Uh, and, and it slowly evolved into what is currently its, uh, its layout, which is an L shape. And there's a, an arm going to the north and an arm going to the east with the knuckle sitting on that southwest corner. And it's what this has done is provide an opportunity for the building and the outside experience to merge together because the L shape of that building will essentially embrace the green space and the quad that will be on the north, let's see, to the northeast of the building then. And it's going to create an incredibly uh, sort of um, sheltered outdoor environment right. that uh, if you're if you're not new to Cedar City, you know the winds pre predominantly come from the southwest. Yes, right. Uh, it will shelter from the traffic noise on 200 South and 800 West. So, so these are the kinds of interactions where buildings and outdoor landscape begin to come together and and uh, can work together to enhance the the experience. Cool. Wow. Well, we've talked a lot about all the things that are amazing. I think people also are interesting, uh, interested in what makes jobs challenging. So I'd love for you to know, to share with us maybe some of the things that are uh, maybe a challenge that you are wrestling with or something that you're figuring out right now or working on. What are some things that present in challenges in your area, Ross? Uh, some of the things that are challenging is, of course, I can't do all of all of my work without student help. Um, we have a little bit of a challenge in that uh, the number of people that used to apply for our positions was was really abundant when I first started. I That's dropped considerably for, I'm sure, various reasons. And trying to keep a continuity of, of people on my staff, that's, right. that's part of the challenge. There's a challenge in landscaping in general – of continuing to move to uh, better sustainability in terms of, of water use, but also in terms of making plant material fit the reality of the location where it is. And mm. that happens with trees and shrubs and, and all different kinds of things. We have – you almost have to 
micro niche these plants where they will do the best if we want to pull the water consumption consumption down. Oh yeah, and just provide what that plant needs, mm-hmm. and that will be an ongoing challenge. I'm sure that will increase even into the future. I and see. so, making our making our cha- our uh, landscapes really custom. Custom to the realities of the train and the and the weather that we have. Oh, interesting! Thank you, Tiger. How about you? What are some of the challenges that that your office and organization faces these days? Well, uh, facilities management in general is um, needs to be really a, a very agile industry, and and to to bring that home onto campus. Every time our phone rings or every time we answer an email. Uh, or excuse me, open an email, we just never know what's on the other end, right? right? It could be anything from a squeaky door hinge to we have water running out of the ceiling. <laughs> and and I think this is, uh, there's a piece of that, that that draws my tradespeople to facilities management because frankly, it keeps it exciting. It's every day is a little different. And, and, uh, but finding the skill sets that can respond to a, a wide variety of, of, uh, circumstances is difficult. And I think particularly difficult in rural areas like Cedar City. Hmm. We don't have the, the depth of, of, uh, hiring resources that you might have along the Wasatch Front or in the Las Vegas Valley, something like that. I, uh, once again, to the credit of my staff, uh, they are in, an incredibly diverse group and and able to respond to a remarkable number of of uh, of upcoming events. Um, and you know, some of that diversity comes with just being in the business for a long time and and uh, and gaining uh, gaining a variety of skills. Uh, I would agree with Ross. I think that there's um, some real challenges in the in the labor market today. Uh, if you've ever tried to, uh, you know, hire a contractor or a tradesperson to have work done at your house in the last year or so, uh, you know that the lead times are very long. And and while we do um, a lot of work on campus ourselves, we also rely on outside contracted help. And and uh, and it's what it does is it just pushes our project lead times a little bit. Um, we we do all that we can with our on campus resources, but those only go so far. Right. So, looking to the future, uh, it's always. I mean, you guys have such a, a depth of experience and time with the institution. I wondered if in your in your uh, dreaming and looking ahead. Uh, what do you hope for SUU uh, in the next 50 years or in the next 100? What, what do you hope for the future of SUU? What would you like to see um, SUU do or be in its next iteration or in its next chapter? Ross, how about you? Well, of course, I'm looking at this from the plant world because I'm a plant nerd. <laughs> but I would just love to see uh, a diverse in- environment, Reverse tree canopy, I would love to see. We have so many welcoming spaces and so many nice things on campus because of people that went before us. Mm. We really do stand on their shoulders. And we are trying to do the things now so that 50 years from now, when when we are gone, parts of our work will still be evident right. and people will still be building on it. Right. If it's If it's a good fit, if it's sustainable, if it was a good choice in the first place mm. – 
uh, then some of those things will remain. Lots of times we have we have done plantings and a building has landed on top of them. Mm. When we have a really nice rare tree, I always try to scratch my head and say, where can I put this tree that will not turn into a building 20 years from now? Right, right. Oh, thank you. That's beautiful and interesting. I never thought about it that way. Fascinating. Tiger, how about you? What what hopes and dreams do you have for SEU in the future? Well, I think this university needs to continue its pathway on being accessible and inclusive. And, and that really has... Uh, some some important bearing on the the buildings uh as we design buildings as we think about remodeling space uh making sure that we can accommodate as many students as possible making sure that we can uh keep education affordable for students is certainly important and and the way we manage these buildings plays into that uh state resources only go so far and and while we get a lot of funding from the legislature. Uh, a lot of what we operate on is student tuition dollars, and we're trying to be very careful with those and and uh, and don't want student tuition to go up any more than it absolutely has to. Uh, but if if we can continue to be mindful of those things, I think we can serve the greatest number of students. Uh, we can we can help faculty be successful in their pursuits. I. Uh, but uh, you know, I I would agree with a lot of what Ross says too, and that um, that this campus has been on a remarkable trajectory in the last 125 years, and uh, and if we just keep some semblance of that, and and remember not only where we come from, but but keep the dream alive for where we're going, I think that uh, we'll be in good hands. I love it. Very well said. Well, I had planned to play another song. But we don't really have time for it because we have to get to the last question, which is Ryan's favorite question. Um, Ryan, do you want to sort of prep them for it? I don't think there is really any prep for this question. I think this is the best thing that everyone wants to know. Now you're making me nervous. No, no, no. no. Lynn, this shows her brilliance. This is an amazing question. So fire away. Well, it's a playful question. And it's really just kind of about what's turning you on right now. And it, it... doesn't have to be about your work. It can be anything. So it could be a, a song or a movie or a TV show or a favorite food or a, a bike trail, perhaps, or something. Um, but it's just kind of a, a playful little insight to who you are personally. And we've had people say everything um, from, you know, a, a book that they're reading to a TV show that they're watching to uh, it's really run the gamut. So the question is, what's turning you on this week. So, Ross, what is turning you on this week? Uh, This week, the thing that's turning me on is an oddball succulent that's quite rare that comes from the Balkan Peninsula, uh, Albania, Romania. It's It's a rare plant, a beautiful plant. I have some in the greenhouse. Someday they'll make it out on campus when they get propagated in sufficient numbers. What are they called? They are they they only go by their scientific names, so oh. it's Sempervivum hufelii. Oh my gosh! How did you get them? How did you find out about them? I I had to stumble on them on the internet. Thank goodness for the internet to keep me learning, and then I had to find a specialty supplier, and I've located a nursery that has them. And what do you love about them? Is it just their particular look, or is it something oh, these, else about them? These plants are marvelous in their. They're really tough. They are 
very geometric. They're almost fractal when wow. you look down upon them. Some of them have wonderful hairs, uh, wonderful movements. A, a visual artist would really get a kick out of these. That is amazing. I love it. Thank you for that. Tiger Funk, what is turning you on this week? You know, lately, I think I've been especially appreciative and and uh, at times somewhat euphoric to be moving forward uh, as we get the the pandemic seems to be fading and we can we can get back together and we can we can meet face to face. We can have interactions like we're having right now uh, and and really begin to uh, enjoy life as it should be. And and uh, for me, that means uh, a lot of time outside and and I, uh, but I just, I love being on campus and it's fun to, fun to be able to interact with people here. And you're a cyclist. That's, is that your go-to outdoor activity? I, I do ride my bike probably more than I should. I don't know. <laughs> is it road biking or mountain biking? I try to stay off the road. So <laughs> mostly, mostly fantastic. mountain biking. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, I want to just say uh, that's really all the time that we have. But uh, Tiger, Ross, Ryan, thank you guys so much for taking the time to share your experiences and share your passion for your work and for what you do. And just a huge Thank you for what you do for our campus and to make Thank our you. of our lives so so much better here. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. All right. Well, next week we will continue our conversation. But in the meantime, this is the Apex Hour signing off. Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu slash apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.